Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is I Am It Presents Real Poetry. I'm here with my two personat. I'm here with my two not first snatchers. Wow, popcorn snatchers. Auntie Vice and Marvin, say what up. Do we what need up? to talk, Sharon? Are mean? you able to pay purse snatching now? Hey, I don't know you. That's not that's not your purse. <laughs> that's all my purse. Oh really? All I everything I learned about fighting came from King of the Hill. Pocket oh, I sand. Know. I don't pocket know. Sand. That's not my, pocket sand. Pocket sand. Pocket sand's awesome. <laughs> so oh, wow. tell him how you tell him how you won the fight. And he starts no no no, just for, then I kicked him in the testicles. Oh that one. Wait, oh, no, so. tell tell him about how you ended the fight. Do you mean the part before I kicked him in the crotch or after I kicked him in the crotch? Oh god. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that show. I'm gonna rewatch the episodes tonight. Oh, I missed it. I missed yeah. the show. Grief. Have Hulu. It's on there. Okay. Well, today's show. We today's movie we're gonna review is the 2010 animated Tim Burton directed Alice in Wonderland, starring Johnny Depp and a few other people like uh, what's her name, Mia. Uh, wow, Stephen Fry, Martin Sheen, and um, Jennifer Todd and Suzanne Todd. I thought those are the people that produced it. Oh, there, there are the other people that produced it. And also Anne Hathaway. This movie came up at the budget of 150 to 200 mil and made in the box office one point. Zero two five billion dollars. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you are able to combine two very large brand names together and get that in. I mean, people I think people often forget like how big Tim Burton is and then collect obviously everybody understands how big Disney is. But when you combine those two things and combine the demographics that they attract, yeah. It's going to get you a billion dollars. This movie did also have several nominations, but only won two Academy Awards. And guess what they were for? Set design and costuming. Mm-hmm. Not for director and not for actors. Not surprised. <laughs> but I'm um, actually a little disappointed that they. The, it's stylistically it won an award. I'm actually a little disappointed by that. Why? Not Tim's finest. And I also, f I may also be looking at the lens of it from someone who grew up watching the original Alice in Wonderland. Tim Burton's stylistic aesthetic, his aesthetic is too much of this campy, fun, gothic era, Victorian era, that I feel just doesn't match Alice in Wonderland very well. Well, we'll talk more about that because it's basically I'm going to bring that up too. So this movie here had the movie here had a plot of in London, 1871, a troubled but reoccurring dream, moaning and a moaning of a lost father. 19-year-old Alice Kingsley attended a garden party for Lord Ascot Estate, where she was confronted with an unwanted marriage proposal for the Ascot son, Hamish. Stiffly um, expectations and the society at which she lives 
Unsure by what she proceeded, she pursued a fe- and followed a rabbit wearing a blue waistcoat. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'm going to basically point out some little pieces. Um, from that, she basically went into the magical world of want of Underland, where she met the rabbit, the dodo, Dormouse, Twiddly Twiddledum. Um, what's the name of the caterpillar? Amash, Amashah. Uh, Absalom. Absalom. And none other than the Mad Hatter, who is someone like the mayor of Wonderland and explains that the situation is that the White Queen has lost her throne to the Red Queen and the Jabberwocky. And we need Alice to return because on um, Rufus Day, she must kill the Jabberwocky and bring the White Queen back to her throne. Like I said, this movie's budget was two was two hundred mil, and it got one point zero two five billion dollars. Thoughts, Marvin? I mean, you already started your thoughts, so I'm gonna let you finish it. Go ahead. I just wasn't a fan of this film. I just wasn't. I Why? think. Stylistically, I was obviously I wasn't a fan of the aesthetic of this entire film. I think Tim Burton has a wonderful imagination. I think he has a very wonderful, campy little style. But I think the problem here is when you try to put it into a very specific CG blend, especially in an era when that was hit or miss largely it doesn't work out well and then add on the fact that there's the quirkiness of alice in wonderland you're making i personally feel you're adding two very distinct identities and trying to make them meld with one another and it just came out with an end result that didn't match or wind up doing very well but that's just me apparently a lot of people liked it a lot Hmm. Which is a little disappointing. Not disappointing, but a little surprising. Not the advice. <laughs> it was... It was a concept. I can see why they thought this would work really well. I agree with Marvin. It's not Tim Burton's best. Hmm. I, you know, And I love his aesthetic in so many films. This one, I think he struggled with size. Uh, because shifting back and forth, I mean, you have the initial scenes where she, you know, drinks and shrinks and eats and grows, and that's in the original. Um, and you expect those to be off. But so much of this film, her size and proportion to the rest of the screen is off, and then making the Queen of Hearts so obsessed with oversized body parts because of her giant head and stuff mm-hmm. really didn't work. Right, visually, it's disconnected, um, and I thought it was distracting. It didn't add to it; it was just distracting throughout the film. He took parts of through the Looking Glass, which is the follow-up to Alice in Wonderland, oh. and interspersed it with this story. Because in the original, she's fourteen and she falls asleep under a tree, and that's when she goes into Wonderland. Um, so he's kind of mashing up the two stories to get what he wants here and so i thought the script was a little 
discombobulated and it took a lot of the whimsy from Alice in Wonderland and the, the book itself um, and downplayed it and it got muddled, I think. It, it, I got to agree with you. I, I completely forgot to mention that. It just certainly did feel really rushed mm-hmm. because you're, you're combining two things worth, like two books worth of material into what was this movie? Hour and forty tops, I think. Oh, uh, one oh eight, one eight minutes. So about yeah, uh, oh, ninety oh, hour and a, about more, an hour more, forty yeah. minutes. That's very rushed. Yeah, and this definitely, I feel like, could have been one of those films. You could have divided up into two movies, mm-hmm. and would have been fine. But then, of course, you have studios when they see know it's a big budget. Or they're right. you're you're sure to get a cash grab out of it. They'll divide what should have been source material for one into three things. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I look at things like part of the delight of reading Alice in Wonderland is the language, and Lewis Carroll really is a master of onomatopoeia, and they work. It's comes in fleetingly. It felt like you mm-hmm. were doing. Hamlet, but without the oh, poor Yorick speech, or nice. you know, um, you know, you're missing kind of the key thing that people take away. Romeo and Juliet without the balcony scene, right? There's Ooh. yeah, there's there's a certain. You're right. There is a certain whimsical nature to it that is definitely lost in this film mm-hmm. because they purely wanted to focus on the visuals rather than storytelling. Because if you mm-hmm. recall from the book, if you recall from the animated adapt adaptation from the nineties, it was all about not countering a child's argument about anything, but it was kind of showing those little fallacies in it. Like for mm-hmm. instance, when uh, Alice meets all the birds and they're getting hit by those waves and, but they're running around, they're going, right. well, in order to dry off, you got to run around, but the waves are still hitting them no matter what. In theory, in practice, yes, that makes sense, but no, it's not going to make sense in this particular instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Tim Burton tends to err on the side of, of moderately creepy which really works in things like A Nightmare Before Christmas and the one he did about the dog, the oh, black Frank and Weenie. Frank, Frank and Weenie, Weenie Corpse Ride, right. Coraline. Caroline. Yeah, Caroline. Coraline, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, where it says hands. Yeah, and he he errs on the side of that. And in doing that with Alice in Wonderland, while there are creepy things, the Cheshire Cat has always been a creepy thing for me in Alice in Wonderland, Which, and I love the Cheshire Cat, but... He that was the closest thing to whimsy he came with in this one. He took the creepiest character and made it light, and then like the caterpillar Absalon just made like a hella creepy stoner. Oh like, yeah, like he was running his own opium den, and um, you know rather than the more laid back version that he has in the book. So I think he's fighting that, and I gotta imagine that he came into this wanting to fight the original Disney adaptation, which is so light and fluffy. I'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, so it just it didn't work for me. I think that's part of the reason it didn't get the number of Oscars, you know, that it was nominated for, and why it went to things like set design. I mean, the set design and costuming make much more sense to me because the rest of it wasn't great. Um, you know, and if you're going to look at great Tim Burton films, there's a whole long list I'd do before I got to this one. Yeah, yeah. Totally agreed with you on Even that. Even the Batmans? What? The Batmans like were Batman. fantastic. How dare you? <laughs> right? Those are my Batmans. Yeah, but I got to... 
That, it has to be the ones with my, Michael Keaton. Yes. There's only it can't two. be any others. <laughs> really? I mean, you think if you think if Michael Keaton actually held on and went for the third one, it would have been still good. I mean, that was with um, uh, that was with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Can we just get rid of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Period. Why? I'm just. He's a he's national not a treasure. Act- no, he's not. He's uh... a. <laughs> well, he was the early '90s and late '80s version of a Marvel film star, and I know for whoever loves Marvel who listens to this, I'm going to catch a lot of flack. But Marvel sucks now. Oh, yep. okay. We, we'll talk about that later. Oh, it's a cult. It's a fucking cult. Don't it? <laughs> it's a fucking cult. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. This movie itself had a lot of waviness. What I mean by that is sometimes you're in and sometimes you're going out. <laughs> so it's, it's never, it never was balanced. Was I that just seen... you falling asleep? <laughs> called you out. Yes, it was. He, but... he had to watch it multiple times because he couldn't stay awake. I feel like that's a lot of the things you make us watch. Yeah, and what, he's fine sleeping through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I woke up when it was good. Okay, but yeah, no, this movie. So one thing that really bothered me on this one one thing that kept on bugging me. I I kept on thinking, are they trying to make this feel like 1951's movie, and this is the sequel to that? Because they kept on saying, "Are you the real? Are you the the right Alice?" And no, that's combining the two books. Huh? That was combining the two books because in the second one she goes back to Wonderland. Mm-hmm. But the problem so that is, wasn't. But the yeah, problem is, monster film. they have a sequel of this in Looking Glass. They have a, mm-hmm. another Tim Burton sequel of that. I'm talking about the it. I mean, the movie itself. Even though Alice was Alice, they showed Alice having you know, being like six or something years, seven years old or something like that. And she says she had this. She kept having the same dream of Wonderland, and the fact that she was um when she became nineteen, she was getting ready to get um basically wedded, well, unwantedly married to this this gent, this um lord. This whole thing was almost as if, and then throwing her into into this whole this whole situation, it felt like she was. She kept on saying, "Is this a dream?" While everyone else kept on asking, "Are you the real Al- Are you the real Alice that came in last time?" It 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 was never it was never a sure thing of her sh- of her mindset going. Yeah, I am. It's like, mm, no, if you're gonna get it right, you're gonna find out. Kyle Poe was like, "All right, let me. This is the reason why." Okay, cool. Um, Lewis, Lewis, um, Lewis Carroll, his um. The biggest thing they were trying to really point out was the Jabberwocky. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? The Jabberwocky character, because I mean, they kept on using that as a, the centralized character in this. And I actually do have the Jabberwocky um, poem up, but I was gonna save y'all because <laughs> I was gonna play the audio, but I don't know if you want to listen to it. I think you, you know well it. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So the whole point that I was trying to throw out was uh, share sound about this. Yeah. Here we go. Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble Here. in the wabe. Yep. Mimsy were the borogoves and the mome wraths outgrabe. 
Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the maxim foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabjous day, kalu kalay, he chortled in his joy. "'Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the mome wraths outgrabe." So that's the that's the mm-hmm. poem, Jabberwocky. So with that being poem, that being used as a, as a central theme to this whole movie, right? Do you feel like? Um, and it seemed, unfortunately, it seemed that's one of the things that um, Tim Burton was really focusing his time on, trying to hold on, trying to, to look at that as the the foe. I mean, beyond, beyond beside the queen and everything else, her her mission was it was basically a hero's journey. She was going to go from here to get to here and kill this dang thing, and that's her. And that was her mission. That's the whole thing. Do you feel that it succeeded to that point? No, no, no. I gotta agree. Not really. This Agreed. it's just a special with this movie being so rushed in its nature was really hard to pinpoint this sense of agency Mm. for a lot of its plot. Mm, Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, you know, they want to bring in the Jabberwocky because it's, again, it's a very known Lewis Carroll piece. Right. Uh, And I mean, it's kind of, that's what gets taught when you, you learn about onomatopoeia. Right. Um, but they took out the language around it. They again, like Marvin pointed out, they tried to make this her hero's journey and finding her identity. And they tried to work in some of these metaphors, but they they crapped out on them halfway through. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, they had all these starts that just fizzled. So I actually like what Auntie Vice said about the hero's journey. She's completely said- right. This this movie turned from some kind of literary, like essential moving literary device into a hero's tale. Mm -hmm. But the problem with this is the reason why Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass is such a beloved piece or so popular or has remained so relevant is because of its usage of the English language. But then now you take that central thing out and turn it into any kind of Arthurian tale and it loses a lot of its luster. Well, like yeah. Jabber, the Jabberwocky is just another dragon at the end of the story that you have to kill to get the treasure. The Red Queen is just another evil stepmother or evil queen, witch queen, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could see. I could see that being. Yeah, I can. I can understand both of you are coming with because I did. I did see that as. 
the fact that even the 1951 um, movie itself, it was always she went wherever she was walking through. She she basically bumped into characters and had to do a series of events. You know, bumped into the um, mm-hmm. um, Chester Cat, bumped into the Caterpillar, bumped into the 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 um, Red Queen. I mean, everything was always how she basically dealt with this character in the movie and also in the book. I mean, it's never, it was never a hero's journey. And unfortunately, I think that Tim Burton kind of just went off that tent, went off that trail. He didn't, he wanted his movie to be almost like a weird subplot to this, where it was like, okay, she's going to try to, she's not going to get married because she doesn't know if she wants to be, and she has no clue, but we're going to put her in this little adventure and then at the end, she'll figure out that, okay, this is what I really want. Well, and can we tell, talk about how he tries to create this feminist narrative of mm. this, you know, 19th century woman being pushed into marriage and pushing back on it and becoming a businesswoman. He fights that with the cheap, cheap literary device of making somebody seem evil because they're large. Oh. This is just fat phobia, but you know mm-hmm. they make it about her head, and all the evil people are are oversized in some way, and it's a a shitty literary device that people use when they have no imagination, and it was done with this movie. Oh, I didn't think about you're that. right. It definitely it, activism, like, and it's very fun to look at this now in 2021 and watch. Look at how much activism has changed, and empathy has changed. For a lot of ways. And when you look at this movie, this was very much, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. girl power. And <laughs> then the half raised fist just trying to like say, we support you. Yeah. And then yeah. after you get rejected, you you still call her a slut and a fat ass bitch, essentially. As, as somebody puts it, it's uh, Schrodinger's woman. You don't yes. know if you're hot or a bitch until you've rejected the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, they, they take the the stupid literary advice of evil and greed being signified by being large and make and put that in the middle of what they're trying to create as a feminist narrative and it just doesn't work well this this is another thing i mean even with the as we remember the 1951 movie um they basically kept on they kept on showing the um the poems that were that are very mm-hmm. big, you know, the Jabwaki, the the sh- the shell, the um, the um, the walrus and the plum, um, mm-hmm. was it the the painter, walrus and the painter. I mean, they were showing all things where you didn't get that here. No, nope. you didn't get almost none of that. Everything was kind of all the all the poems of um, Lewis Carroll was kind of put in the wayside. Like, okay, I mean, we didn't even get the twinkle twinkle the little bat um, theme or anything. I mean, and I I, I see now that. What made Disney, you know, th- that's what kind of made Disney what it, well, what it was, well, pro- propelled Disney before, then making this movie. Yes, they gave Tim Burton a chance to do that because he done Nightmare on, Night- Nightmare on um, before, Nightmare before Christmas. Christmas. And he kind of could have gone that same route. But he, like we said, he didn't make it into a hero's journey where that was just like a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. He basically was doing he was he was doing the same narrative of making this into a hero's drawing. And that kind of did make it did not give it is but it like but like when Marvin said, people love this movie. 
Well, and you've got to question how much of this crap that got put into it is just too many cooks in the kitchen and the studio saying you have to meet these standards. Um, it's so I didn't look at that. Oh, God. Well, it's definitely when the production company has a larger say in it. You can certainly tell with a lot of newer films coming out, or just not not even films, but a lot of the intellectual property coming out from the the house of the mouse. They they don't want to lose that certain magic that they have created for themselves. And a lot of times it really does take out a lot of that flavor mm-hmm. of creativity that you would expect from certain people. Right. And this is, I wouldn't say they, they probably did tell Tim Burton to mute certain parts of his own stylistic choice or a lot of things that were his hallmark. Mm-hmm. But I think this was a fundamental misunderstanding when two worlds come clashing Mm -hmm. together and don't know how to work together, work with one another well. So, wait, wait. So the two worlds you saying Disney and Tim Burton coming together, but they already did one time. They already have already done, but they Christmas. Well, yeah, but they very clearly let him do his own thing. Because Nightmare Before. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas was very much a very Tim Burton thing. Quintessential, yeah. Yeah, and not so much Disney because, like, what? When did that come out? Early. That was in the nineties. Yeah, like nineteen ninety-one. Name one, like, can you name one Disney movie from that era that had that kind of well look and appeal to it? But remember that that movie also was put on Touchstone. Disney didn't right. want to put it on their own. That's true. That's true. They wanted to give right. touchstone. So if they if they if they bomb or something, I mean they re they re put it into Disney later after it started getting you know, a lot of praise and stuff. But let mm-hmm. when it first start off, it was on touchstone because it had like a I think it had like a PG thirteen rating or something. Oh yeah, because it was a it it did have certain frightening elements that right. Disney's normal audience at the time probably couldn't get behind. Right. I mean, there's a reason Marilyn Manson covers the theme song. Yeah. (laughs) But one thing, so one thing about this, here's some fun facts and stuff. So 90% of this movie was done in front of a green screen. So Of course. Of course it was. So with that being in mind, uh, the visual effects supervisor had so much, had basically a tough time because he said this thing was exhausting because a lot of the move, a lot of the constant changes of digital effects from the height, from Alice's height mm-hmm. to even the Queen's head, just just basically exhausting to the whole movie. And he said it was it was the most exhausting movie of the most creativity that he had to basically endure just to make this thing work because of the of the size of making her you know smaller, larger, big head, and it's just keep, and constantly trying to keep the effect going. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, he said that uh, with Sony Pictures um, Image Works designed the visual effects sequence, and um, Bert, um, Tim Burton felt the 3D would be appropriate for his story environment. So um, Tim Burton chose the film with conventional cameras, referred the footage into 3D in mm-hmm. 3D in post production. So basically, he already had things all. Planned it out, and then next, you know, he basically generated more and put more and tweaked it more, just like the stuff they do with Avatar. So, 
This you know when but. his number showed up on the the graphics guys, you know, the digital guys' uh, phone? He's like, yeah. "Oh fuck, it's that guy again." <laughs> you know he said that more than once. Like, God damn it, I got to take this call. But what the fuck, he want to change now? Oh yeah, <laughs> you could definitely tell it was the case. That was the case. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the like you like you all said the 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 only downfall with this movie from. Even though there was a or there was already an adaptation from Disney made in 1951, that seems what that seems it went a little bit it went a little bit more towards the book than this one. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that just like just like all the just like all the um the live the live animated um di- um not di- um Doctor Seuss movies, this kind of went. On a different tangent, it, it had too many subplots. It had it, it. It basically went away from the source material. Did it go away from the source material? Of course it did. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily went away from the source material. I think the problem here was it took the source material and it tried to condense it. And the mm-hmm. problem with condensing things that are that have such a rich story is you wind up losing a lot of the nuance that made it so lovable. Mm. So charming. Did you enjoy um, Johnny Depp's um, being, character being the Mad Hatter, or was it just too much? I think, like, everybody thinks about Tim Burton. I think everybody kind of thinks of Johnny Depp post-Jack Sparrow when he first appeared on screen. Give me Jack Sparrow, but except don't give me Jack Sparrow. Less eyeliner. Yeah. yeah. And that's essentially what I got from this Mad Hatter character. I want Jack Sparrow, but I don't want the pirate. So you want Jack Sparrow in Victorian era. Yep. No, I said, give me Jack Sparrow, but don't give me the pirate. Yeah. And I mean, which is disappointing because you look at something like what e- what's eating Gilbert Grape. And he had such range, and he's but he had a lot of in Edward Scissorhands. He was fantastic. Um, you, you know, know I, yeah, you're right. You know, what the sad thing is, he was always a really talented actor mm-hmm. prior to Jack Sparrow. And then the problem is, he did so well into it. In it, character. <laughs> That's all they like. I honestly have to say, I get the feeling that we're about three years from him collecting his toenails and wearing shoe boxes or Kleenex boxes on his feet. Like he has been so typecast oh. and unallowed to expand that we're going to just get crazy, crazy here. You know what the sad thing is? He's definitely experienced what minor actors have wanted in his life. Mm-hmm. He already had the money. He already had the money. He didn't. He certainly didn't need to be in a franchise. Yeah to be rich or to make a living. But then he went the reverse. Like there are certainly other actors who have been in multiple franchises who now want to, who are now set financially, but want to act out of it. Look at Robert Pattinson. Yep. Twilight has now forever financially made him secure. He is for, he is financially secure forever. So long as he doesn't spend it stupidly like Mike Tyson would. Right. Clean up. Yeah, exactly. That's all I gotta but, say. But he will never live down whatever his character's name is in that movie. Right. He will always oh. be that character. Edward. Jo- Edward, yeah. Johnny Depp 
before Jack Sparrow was many things. Right. Oh yeah. But he's now, a character actor. yeah. But now he's always going to be remembered as that one character. Yeah, which is disappointing because he yeah. he's actually a really good actor when they allow him to be. Oh yeah, he's a, he has an he's an iconic actor. Yeah, but yeah. but the problem is he's such a great actor. He's also created such an iconic character, mm-hmm. which is not to say that that th- he doesn't deserve it because the first movie, the first Pirates, was phenomenal. I could go, yeah. I could, I could write a love letter to that movie and it still wouldn't do it justice mm-hmm. <laughs> for everything that movie has done well. Did they go it's, six Pirates? Oh really? yeah, but it's it, but it's now it's now drawn on. And the problem is Jack Sparrow has also faced the Ned Flanders effect too. Mm-hmm. He's Jack Sparrow is so dumb, so idiotic, s- so lucky that that that's his only character t- personality. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first movie, he was an incredibly nuanced character. Right. But then everything after the first movie, nope, just we got to give him his scrap surface level personality and that's it. That's all you ever get out of it. Mm-hmm. <gasps> but what I'm saying is normally like Alice is the main character. Whereas the Mad Hat was a sub character, but since they made him the star, he became the main. He came. He obviously was like almost like supporting actor who was still in the front row. Even that was the draw. That's how they got people in seats. That's how you get. That's how you get your movies to get a bigger budget. That's how you Mm -hmm. get bigger. That's how you're guaranteed that money. I mean, this isn't the. This isn't the first movie to do that. I mean, right. look at the Marvel films when the first Iron Man came out. Robert Downey Jr. was not always Robert Downey Jr. that we know him now. Right. He was just coming out of a really bad court issue. Like yeah. he was he was going through a gnarly drug addiction withdrawal. Right. They had to put Terrence fucking Howard on there. And yep. Terrence Howard had a bigger budget or he got a bigger payday than mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. at the time. This is no different. Well, well, that story is kind of a little, little different because they basically he basically found out that Robert Downey got paid more, but they found out they had because they had to put an insurance on him because they didn't know how he would do in this movie, so they had to put a big insurance policy on his butt. And well, when yeah. Terrence Howard Terrence Howard found out about that, and when the next movie came out, Terrence Howard came up and said, "Okay, well, I want to get paid more," but they're like, "Why?" Because we're bringing back all the people, and this is going to be a bigger movie. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, who came in? Don Cheadle. Terrence <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like- went a little too close. <laughs> I got to say, though, I like Don Cheadle. I like the films he's in. I respect him as an I'm actor. Just saying, that's just, that is so damn switcheroo. It was like, it, I mean... They, they didn't even get the coloring right. I mean, I hate to say it like that. I hate to say it like that, but they did. They said lighter, light skinned it, dark skinned it. Boom. All right. But anywho, so this movie itself, so this movie itself drove freaking Disney to bankroll. The merchandise, the, the whole blam. This movie made money for Disney. Well, that's all they care about, right? I mean, is that surprising? I mean, well, no. Well, I'm, what I'm trying to there hasn't been is- a single thing that they haven't tried to merchandise at this point. I mean, if they <laughs> could, if they could legitimately find a way to reproduce Walt Disney's blood and sell it to you in vials for a thousand dollars, they, they would. would more than likely would. 
Yeah. They, they probably do. Just don't say anybody. What <laughs> 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 what I'm trying to say is that it got to the point where this movie just did so much so well that they made a sequel. Now, granted, the sequel went so well, went a little better, but it's still. They didn't have Tim Burton on the helm of it, unfortunately. This time, it was James Bobman. He basically took over for the looking glass instead of Tim Burton for this time. That's He was cheaper to hire. Well, yeah, when the movie Uh, falls as it does, they don't want to... They don't want to put as much money as they did previously for something that was clearly a failure, and I'm sure it still failed, unsurprisingly. How could it fail when it made one point Two five bill. Critical reception wise, it still probably failed. Uh, but it also got nominations. I mean, mm-hmm. nominations. I mean, people well, want to see this. And the they got Oscar award. It won a okay. more a political award. award. Thank you, thank you. I was about to say that. Name me, I mean, name me one time that they have ever done something right. They couldn't even do Batman right. They couldn't even do the Dark Knight right. True. But, and we all know that should have won a fucking whatever award it was supposed to win during those years. And then now, now because of fucking Marvel, they have the superhero genre for whatever. No, no. Oh, they do? No. They have that section now? Nice. Yeah. So, this movie, so I, I'm going to say like this. Why don't we go into Snap Judgment? Because I see that we are coming to a close of this. And we all come to the conclusion that this movie did not show what Lewis Carroll did in his book or even the adaptation of the 1951 movie. This one went on a whole different tangent. But you know what? That's neither here or there. Snap judgment time. All right. We're going to do snap judgment. Where we basically rate the movie that we reviewed. If we give it three snaps... It's the greatest thing ever. The money it made and the, the accolades matter. It all gets some. Well, all, instead of all the design, but yeah, it gets all the accolades. If it gets two snaps, it's not that bad, but it's not that good. One snap, it should have gone right back into the Jabberwocky's mouth and went away with the bender scratch. We go on quarter snaps, increments. All right, everyone, we're going to close our eyes, count to three, and throw our rating. One, two, three. Oh, snap, Jackson. Okay. I give it a 1.5. Marvin gives it a one, and Auntie Vice gives it a half. Why don't we go from low to high? Still did a lot better than Mulan. I knew that was coming. You'd made it through the whole thing without saying it. I was you, waiting. You knew. You know, I'm never gonna forgive Mulan. I, I'm no. I know. It's. I'm it's kind of questioning now. These movies, these these Disney movies, am I basically just just setting them up for you to go Mulan? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, at this point, this may be a Disney failure, but it wasn't a Mulan failure. It's not a failure though. <laughs> I consider this a failure. So I'll go from lowest. To, I'll go. Well, I'll give mine up because highest low. It's okay. I won't yeah. do it. So this movie did have the visual effects that were, I gave this movie a one uh, one and a half because of the not only the visual effects were incredible, but Tim Burton once again was able to take 
I think this was I think some this was in his Wilhelm. I just believe that he kind of Wilhouse. But I just think that he (laughs) I think it was in his realm. I but I believe he kind of took he changed the way the story was as all these events that happened to her to now this hero story. And that's where he went wrong. He should have left it where everything was a series of events, just like Caroline. Should have been a series of events, but he didn't want to do it that way. Whatever. He got paid. So I see this movie had a lot of visual effects. The characters were good. Um, the characters were charming. The Johnny Depp, I'm not sure if it, if it mattered for him. I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on the, I'm teetering with him and stuff, being around. And I believe also the whole white, the whole white and red queen ship battle was not really necessary. I mean, it wasn't like she had white cards. That's why I give it a 1.5. Marvin, why'd you give it a 1? If I could ever describe this, how I feel about this movie, it's definitely (laughs) my teenage years in a nutshell, being that poor emo punk kid who just wore whatever band t-shirt he could, and then you saw the rich kid who wore all the gaudy ass shit and this is what that movie is like for me it's just distilled in visual form are you saying he's hot topic oh he's hot topic for sure (laughs) this this kid is hot topic for sure was able to afford this movie was that kid it was and they bragged that they were poor but they were clearly rich this movie sucked (laughs) i can't stand it better than mulan but still can't stand it (laughs) on device i give it a half one, I think Disney had too much hands on and really stripped a lot of what I love about Tim Burton films out of this to fit it into their paradigm. Um, I, I would imagine he was pretty handcuffed on what he could do on this. And so while he kept the visual effects, which were cool and, you know, deserving of, deserving of the Oscars and stuff in the screen work, um, the storytelling wasn't nearly as tight as he normally is. It wasn't as compelling. You don't develop characters that you fall in love with. Um, they stripped out so much of the great Lewis Carroll stuff, where I think if you had Tim Burton have free reign over the production of an Alice in Wonderland film, it could be phenomenal because he is a great storyteller and he has great visuals. Um, but this is just too much Disney influence on mm-hmm. it and trying to fight the other stuff. Um, so I felt it was just a miss across the board. Yeah. It, so I, You know, I, I can't I, help but wonder. Go oh, go ahead, Sharon. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I'm going to correct you a little bit. I, I don't think Disney, if Disney wanted him more to do what they wanted, it would have been just another recreation of the, the 1951. I think it was all him. See, I think they wanted the Tim Burton flavor and style and visual identity, right? But they don't necessarily like the Tim Burton storytelling. I think I no, I think I agree with you there. But I think also they definitely wanted to mute a lot of what Tim Burton is able to do. I mean, if you look at things like Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. right, that's a pretty that while childish and lovable is still pretty terrifying for a child, right? The and I, you can't, I can't help but wonder what that would look like if Disney was, 
if Tim Burton was able to get complete creative control over that, mm-hmm. how much differently that would have been? Because I'm willing to bet even the visuals would have been completely different from what we, would have, we have now. Because mm-hmm. Tim Burton is capable of going balls to the wall. Well, and you look at something like Beetlejuice, which was made earlier, and the visuals are more coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the green screen on this is really apparent, both in the acting and in the, the graphics work. And in a way, it hasn't been in his other films, his live action films. So, yeah, I mean, I th- it looks to me like you're looking with this brilliant director who's just handcuffed to death um you know in in doing this film so no i was not a fan of it i would not recommend it and they stripped the lewis carroll out of lewis carroll that's true that's the language lewis carroll is the language and they stripped it from this but at least at least they didn't bastardize this as bad as they bastardized mulan True. Just say I'm 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 <laughs> fighting this thought that I don't think Disney wanted that. I I mean I don't know if Disney wanted you know Disney would have Disney wants money. Wanted, I know Disney wanted money, but I'm just looking at the fact that I mean I it, think this was this was like I just said Tim Burton wanted to take he didn't want to go the way the book went. He kind of went on his own little tangent. I think like we talked about he wanted a hero's journey. He didn't want but this it whole. Was, it's so the the storytelling is not nearly as coherent or tight as you right. see in his other films. This is so much more jammed in, and it's just it's out of sync with his other films. Mm. Okay. I mean, it's exactly like we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. have condensed two books worth of material into in an hour and a half film. Mm-hmm. But then they made a sequel. Well, for this one thing, yeah, but they. Yeah. For this one movie, yeah, but then for the next one, it's still, I mean, you could have, a lot of the things that they've mentioned in this movie could have just been left for the sequel then. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like the Jabberwocky, the White Queen, well, not the White Queen was still mentioned in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. The books, I think. But, um, yeah, I just, yeah, it didn't work for me. I mean, the one thing I will take from this is I will probably call my, my lady bits a bandersnatch more than once. Now that I'm being reminded of the term. So is that, does that mean uh, Sharon's dick is now the Jabberwocky? <laughs> it's the Vorpal Sword. The Vorpal Sword. I love it. I love it. <laughs> to slay the bandersnatch. Ah, uh, yes, I do so well. All right, everyone. As you can see, we had a half, one and a half, two, three, that's two, and a one. That means three out of nine snaps. We, this is this is like actually like the third or fourth movie we've done that. It's not even gone past five. I mean, and they're more of the live ones that we've done that too. Yeah, you got to pick better movies, man. Get off the list. I'm going to take the Vorpal Sword to the list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Gotta find more movies like Wonder Horses, man. I know. Bring back that. Or, or We the Animals. Oh, God. We the Animals was brilliant. Or 40 year old version. I'd watch the 40 year old version again. Oh, literally. I'm such a Rada Blanc fan now. Oh, entirely. Yes. Yeah. We will Rodimus find those. Prime. Oh, yes. We will find those as we progress on. Okay. 
you can check it out. If you want to check us out, you can check us out on our social medias. Marvin, give them your social media. Yeah, you can find me on IG as StarvinMarvin09. Auntie Vice. I am at Auntie Vice on most social media. And check me out through Wicked Grounds in October. I'm teaching 30 Days of Kinky Self-Discovery. Come join me and explore who you want to be. You can find me on I Am Big Poetry. You can find me on I Am Big Poetry Podcast on all streaming services or go on I go on Instagram under I Am Big Zine. That is I A M B I C Z I N E. The next one we're gonna do, I don't know. I have a list. We'll be surprised. I know we're not doing the sequel of this, but no, we're not. No, we're not doing the sequel of this. No, 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 we're not. No, we're not. We're not doing the sequel of this, but it's, it's on the list. But we're not doing it right now. <laughs> I will burn that list. <laughs> you, you'll never find it. <laughs> I'm going to use it to roll all my weed that's getting ready to go. Marvin, the buds are so big. I have so many buds. You're going to get so stoned. Cancel this. And that is amazing. Good grief. <laughs> If any parents listen to this, they're going to basically cancel Christmas on us. Good grief. It's okay. Weed is legal They're now. smoking weed. Zingayo says weed makes him a better parent. He'll watch any animated film ever. <laughs> Once again, we will see y'all on the next episode of Real Poetry. Peace.